Welcome everyone to the Maple Leaf Hangout. This is Michael Langlois from the Vintage Leaf Memories website along with, as always, Michael Stevens from the Maple Leaf Hot Stove. Uh, Michael, great to have you on board. Uh, we've pulled a, a show together this evening, Monday night, on the heels of uh, not the world's best weekend for the blue and white. We'll explain to people in a moment uh, who our guest is, why we're doing at least the first part of the episode tonight, why we're, we're talking about what we will. Um, but some initial feedback from you, Michael. You've had 24 hours to, to sort of integrate, I don't know if that's the right word, what happened uh, over the weekend. What are your early thoughts? Are you glass half empty, glass half full, Leafs still are fine in terms of the playoff hunt? Michael, the, Leafs haven't, the Leafs haven't been fine in terms of the playoff hunt uh, for much of the season, and uh, right now it's in it's in as more it's in the most doubt that it's ever really been. Um, I mean, you know, this this five game losing streak has has been bad on the whole. Last night's game uh, against the Devils was one that they really should have had back. It didn't become an issue. Uh, you know, it didn't need to be be an issue until they were then down three nothing, and and they tried to claw back into it, and they actually played. Portions of that game, anyway, after they fell into that hole half decently. But uh, this team, I mean, this team has been playing with fire all season in terms of how they try to win games, and it's finally, it's finally caught up to them. I mean, the luck, the sample sizes, whatever it is, the numbers are finally uh, kind of going back to normal, and uh, and with it are coming a lot of losses. And right now, I mean, I was saying on uh, Saturday that I thought they needed two, if not three, points uh, to to keep their head above water. And they didn't get that, so it's uh, it's it's uh, it's panic time right now. Okay, now now here's the thing: Are you on like of of the school of thought, as many Leaf fans are, that this all falls on Reimer? Like if he just made some big saves, starting with the Detroit game, and the subsequent contests, of course, uh, Thursday and then two on the weekend, we you know the Leafs would have won one or two of those games. We wouldn't be in the situation we're in. So this all falls on Reimer, or are you kind of of the thought that, hey, yeah, that's part of it, but there's still, even though the Leafs have played well at times during this losing streak, clearly, there's there are other issues that you just alluded to that are still a big part of the, the situation here. Well, I mean, I certainly, you can't throw this all onto Reimer. Um, he deserves a lot of criticism for not stopping pucks that are critically important to stop. Um, but by the same, but by the same token, that Detroit game, I can't, I can't hang the Detroit game on him. Um, you know, that was that was what two breakaways and then a, a one timer that uh, that cost them that game. And so that's as much on the on the defense. I mean, I would I would say though that uh, uh, whether or not I think it, I feel that the company policy that we're going to see in April, if they miss or when they miss the playoffs, I think that's going to be the narrative. I think in a big way they're going to say our number one goalie was hurt. We didn't have goaltending enough to do it without Bernier, and uh, I think there. I, I think, despite the fact that it's not all on Reimer, I think it's going to end up looking like it's all on Reimer. Well, and if to use your term, if that's the narrative come spring, although we're in spring, although you wouldn't know it, right? Didn't it, it felt awfully cold today? At least we're in in this part of the world. But but if that is indeed the storyline that the Leafs will trot out, um, it you know to. It's it certainly seems like a convenient excuse, but it's not a surprise that they would throw Reimer under the bus because he's the guy. And I know I've said this before, and people are tired of hearing it. But who set the table for this and the put the wheels in motion? Tim Laiwiki, when he said 
he's the guy we inherited talking about James Reimer when Reimer isn't the guy they inherited he's the guy that was here and helped save the franchise for the past three years heading into this season and and when you say that sort of thing and you're the top guy you're at the head of the food chain to me it causes huge problems and it has so if they want to blame Reimer that's great and and anyway I, I won't go on I've, I've made my views known and I'm not trying to defend by the way Michael I think you know this anybody who visits my site I've tried to be clear I like Reimer I think he's a, he seems like presents like a solid young man he's brought a lot to the Leaf organization off the ice uh, but yeah I agree I mean performance criticism is fair if you don't play well you get criticized but I'm just saying there's context here there's reasons why a guy has has kind of fallen off the map, I, I think. And and anyway, I'll let you chime in. Well, I mean, uh, I I think you're really finding that uh, uh, he's going to be given this undue uh, criticism because it's the easy way out. Um, I think it's a lot easier to to, to focus on creating a, a scapegoat than actually looking at some of the fundamental systemic problems that uh, that that exist with beliefs. And uh, I will agree with you though that it is it is on it is on my wiki. I mean, he could have been a bit more confident. He could have said it's about a challenge, but no, he chose to say inherited. He chose to make it sound like like playing uh, Reimer would almost be nepotism. You know, it's it's a very interesting it's a very interesting take that he 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 wanted. Why don't we uh, Why don't we get on to our guest though? Absolutely, Marco Peruzza, Hope in the Big Smoke, a, a, a Leaf site. Michael, that I really enjoy, and Marco will bring you on now, and I've chatted with you before when I was uh, hosting or co-hosting another Leaf-related show. Enjoyed it very much. I think you have a fantastic site. Uh, but Marco, fill us in a little bit, uh, I, and I don't know, by the way, I was not even aware of this mini firestorm that apparently you've lived through today, but Declan and, and Alec and Michael sort of have brought me into the mix as the day went on. Um, so explain what happened. Apparently, you were were you quoted in a tweet in a new in a mainstream newspaper article today, and, and there was some confusion or, or, or misperception around that. Maybe set the stage, Marco, if you would for us. Yeah, I was. Uh, I received. Thank thank you for the kind words, Michael. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Um, I received. Uh, yeah, somebody on Twitter, and I don't know who it is. So if they're watching this, I, I really apologize that I didn't thank them. But they contacted me and they told me that I was included in the in an article today from one of the main newspapers, um, in which they wrote about the April Rhymer April Rhymer bashing, um, and which was horrific. And I completely ignored it because I didn't even want to give that any any credence. And oddly enough, they included one of my tweets um, uh, alongside all the other kind of degenerate comments and it was kind of frustrating and alarming and um, did you feel you were being lumped in Mar sorry but Marco did you feel you were being lumped in Absolutely. with those very personal comments that was not it, your your tweet was not a, a personal comment at all it was a comment about what I referred to before as performance criticism right well oddly enough the comment that they used the tweet that they used wasn't even actually for me it, it was it was when I was transcribing Darren Drager this morning Okay. So it, wasn't even, it wasn't even me, but uh, you know, to be to be fair, I did say something similar yesterday morning. Where whereas you know, it's completely fair and just to criticize Reimer for his performance on the ice. That's his job, and right now he's unfortunately failing to do so to the standard that he so highly set in the last year, the last year and a half. And there is no bigger Reimer backer than me, or or I, I'm at least among the many. That are really, you know, praising the, him for what he's done. He's a, he's a great goalie, 
and uh, it's somewhat odd that I was lumped in it. And you know, I, I tried to contact them today, and they really weren't that um, that helpful. And at, at the newspaper, you mean when you contacted the yeah, the, the, the star? Newspaper. Yeah, it wasn't really that helpful. They they tried to parlay me contacting them into getting an exclusive interview with me uh, in order to elaborate and talk about the leaves, which I found to be absurd because I'm not going to be giving this author any more page views considering he just slandered me. And, um, and Actually, sorry, sorry, Marco. Technically libel because it's in print. My apologies. Yeah, libel. I, I apologize. Yeah. So then uh, he did that, and then I asked him why he tried to contact all the other Twitter accounts and not myself. And he said he was going to be getting around to it, which was funny because he contacted all the other people within minutes of each other, and this was 45 minutes later that I emailed him and he called me back. So I don't know what was taking him so long to get to me. But well, I think I think I think if we're gonna if we're gonna be uh, completely honest about this, the tweet that was in the Toronto Star article um, was was doctored or was was altered in some way because uh, I've seen this tweet. I I always. You are one of the best parts of the morning. I can read about what Dreger's saying. I don't have to listen to his voice. Um, but uh, your your quote literally, I mean, you, you literally had Dreger and then quotations around it. So yeah. what uh, what Curtis Rush of the Toronto Star was doing, um, I know that you guys don't want to say it, so I will. Um, I know I know that, so, so what that looks like to me anyway is that he quite uh, intentionally chose to doctor a tweet of yours uh, to motivate, you know, for motivation towards his own ends of, of whatever he wanted, which was page views, which was a job, which is something. Um, but this is something that I guess really bothers me is that it's not like he just took the tweet out of context. He doctored it to put it out of context, and that comes down to defamation. I mean, that's a that's a legitimate that's a legitimately uh, upsetting thing here. Yeah, but it, why? Why? I've never had any conversation with Curtis Rush ever. And, you know, there's some guys at the Star which I have had conversations with and they have not been pleasant. And if it was one of them, then I, you know, it's perfectly understandable them doing this, even though it's not correct. But, like, for him to do it and then intentionally doctor it, as you said, and then act like, act like it never really was a big deal and completely brushed it aside when I contacted him. Like, when I contacted him, he was of the mindset of, like, what, this isn't even an issue. What are you calling me for? You are associated with these people in, in and this in this article, and like, what are you even bothering me for? Which was it? Complete it. It's been a day of stupidity upon stupidity upon stupidity, and it just has been continuing. And now we're at the point where the Hamilton Spectator, who I have not had any contact with, has removed me completely from that article. The Toronto Star, which I have talked to both the author and the editor twice, have not done anything. And now they're not returning my calls. Is that that's not actually entirely true that they didn't uh, do anything? But, they actually did amend their article. Yeah. Uh, and to be perfectly honest, the amendments they made really only cast further aspersions upon you. I mean, they were you became this uh, this this uh, anonymous phantom uh, who we don't know he or she's name or anything. This was this must have been a really really you were expecting this today. You woke up, looked at the horoscopes, and yeah. knew this was coming, didn't you? Well, I expected it to be an interesting day because of sports radio. I didn't expect it to be an interesting day for myself. So it, it, was, it was odd in the least. And now if you go read those comments, which you should never read comments in the Toronto Star, but if you're reading the comments, all I am is just a 14-year-old in my Spider-Man pajamas in my basement. So Not a, a working professional with a family and yeah, who does, no, this, no, no, who does this in his free time or anything like that. No, of course. 
that's neither here nor there. No, absolutely. So it's been interesting, but I, I don't know. We'll see if they contact me tonight, and we'll see if they want to completely eliminate me, which I have asked them to do, and and we'll pursue it from there. But it's been an odd day and frustrating. And, you know, it was really nice because my wife texted me, and she's driving in, in the car, and she said they're talking about me on the edge, which was interesting because they were calling me a, a real piece of work and somebody who was lack, lacked morals and, and all this stuff, which was great. I contacted Fearless Fred, and he had me on the radio to, to, to clear everything up, which was, which was nice to them, at least. It was, it was nice. It was also very brief, and I think they could have... I mean, now, I was actually uh, vaguely a part of, 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 of at least some of the uh, Fearless Fred talk. Yeah, you were. Um, I appreciate it. Oh, I, I just thought this was... Uh, this was I, it's a shame that I actually didn't have the original audio of, of what they were actually saying. Yeah. Um, but this is the real, this is what, it, what this really comes down to is that, you know, Rush took something directly and deliberately out of context, and then a whole bunch of other people are taking it out of context and are taking it in a very literal sense that you feel, I mean, you didn't, you, you weren't saying that April Reimer deserved things because James Reimer's not good in that. You were saying James Reimer deserved criticism for not playing as well as he can. And yeah. you weren't even really doing that because you were really just quoting Dreger, who was saying the same thing I think that all of us are thinking is that pretty and I wrote an article today saying how great of an ambassador James Reimer is as an individual and how he deserves no personal criticism for anything and all this stuff. And on the heels of that, I get this, which is more crazy. And I, to be honest with you, I didn't hear what what The Edge did uh, release. I have the entire clip. I'm going to send it out tomorrow. Um, so my the entire clip was, I would say, about four or five minutes or three or four minutes, which was really three nice. Yeah, and that that's pretty good. Um, but I don't know, it's just it's just crazy upon crazy. I, I don't really know. I, I guess from my perspective, Marco and Michael, I, I uh, I'll throw this your way as well. But but Marco, I, when I when I just see it, um, and maybe again it's lacking context. I you know I did look at the article. I you know skimmed through the you know got to the section where where your your quote unquote tweet was quoted. Yeah. It was. It seemed clear to me. So maybe I'm misunderstanding something here, Marco. That it seemed clear to me that your your tweet, whether it was you referencing something that another, the mainstream reporters, you said did indicate, and you do that regularly in your tweets. I've seen that as well. You do a very good job of saying, you know, so and so is reporting, you know, TSN, Bob McKenzie, Darren Drager, Sports, and whoever, you know, this is what they're saying in their in a current interview, et cetera. You do that regularly and do it very well. But um, I, I thought it was clear that you were you, again. And I use the term performance criticism. There's a huge, not just a huge difference. They're in totally different worlds. When somebody goes after somebody on some personal level or does so in a tasteless, classless, etc. way, that I mean, who's in favor of that? Nobody's in favor of that. So, and yet, athletes are surely aware that performance criticism, whether they agree with it or not, is is going to happen on a on a regular basis, especially in a market like this. So what was it about the tweet that appeared under your handle, Hope Smoke, that anybody would think it was a some kind of personal attack in in the sort of vein of others that were quoted in that article? Because I don't see the connection. It doesn't they they don't look like the same kind of, of reference at all. It, it two very different things. Of course, I, I agree with you. I, if you, we will strive to find the answers, I guess, because I really don't know what what the reasons were either. And you know, all the other tweets in that in that article were were directed towards April Reimer. Mine wasn't in any way. I've never tweeted anything towards April Reimer. I personally don't care about any of the hockey players' personal lives as long as they're 
not really doing anything specifically, you know, dangerous and hurting anybody, but I don't really care about what the player does off the ice. I care about what they are on the ice, and I've been doing that the entire time. So for them, and yes, my my tweet that was quoted doesn't really cast me as a as attacking Reimer personally. However, I think just lumping me into an article where that is the main tone of the entire thing associates me in, in a negative way. And I've had people today on Twitter say to me, I hope when you have a bad day, people attack your wife uh, and uh, and tell her how bad you are at your job. Okay, so this is the this is what I'm getting at. Thank you. This is this is so contextually, and and Michael referred to you know things being in or not not in context. Uh, your concern then is simply your quote being in a quote. When I say quote, you know what I'm referring to, Marco. Yeah, the the tweet reference, right? that being included in a very disparaging sort of personal-oriented article regarding uh, Reimer, that just that you were included is the concern. Not that there was the words were incorrect, but that, that in the context of the article, it makes it look like you're kind of, um, you know, a part of that, the unfair side, the very personal side of the criticism. Is that is that what we're talking about? Well, the article itself says that I justify all those comments made by made by those people taper Reimer because of his play on the ice so that's which, that's which again is not what you're that was not you, you had all, nothing to do with not even my comment it's Drager's comment so that that's the craziest part right there yeah. but uh, it it's for them to even associate me in any way with all of those things doesn't make any sense for them to take a quote that isn't even mine and lump me in as somebody who's justifying the comments that were made are crazy. Like, I don't even... There are no ways in which you can plug me into that article in which it makes any sense. And now what they've done is they've used my my following on Twitter to, to jump, boost up their page views. They've, they've, they've reissued an amendment to it twice. They've, they've done two small amendments that have caused them to get viewership again. And I, I really don't don't know how further to proceed. So the way that I'm going to do it, I'm going to ignore it. I'm grateful for the for the edge that they allowed me to to, to kind of exonerate myself. I'm grateful that you guys are, and and I love the site, and I've always watched this this hangout. So I'm grateful that you guys are doing the same. And I'm going to close the door, and I'm going to bother with me. Like there's been the score did a wonderful article discussing how ridiculous the Star article was, as did um, Pension Plan Puppets. So. They've done their due diligence. They've done their jobs. I'm grateful for them. I'm just going to put it behind me. I'm going to tweet out the interview tomorrow, and that's it. I'm, okay. I'm going to move on. And, and I can't worry about the Leafs. I can't worry about yeah, this. You know what? And I want to move on and talk about the Leafs. And, Michael, I was just going to say to you, just to maybe close the loop on this discussion with Mark or this aspect of our discussion, um, if I understand correctly, I guess it, it would not be that different from, you know, if if the original Drager quote had been inserted, and I, this is what I'm trying to understand. I mean, are you both saying that it would be similar to a situation where the original quote or the original tweet had been put in there from the mainstream media person and that had been utilized as though that was a reflection of all the 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 horrific personal comments that were being made? Is, is that, Michael, are you, are you, are you uh, suggesting that? I mean, I think, I think uh, for one thing, I, I suspect, obviously I don't know, but I suspect that Rush would probably not have included Dregger's... If he wasn't willing to include the word Dregger, he definitely wouldn't have... He wouldn't have uh, I suspect he would not have thrown mud at Darren Dregger. I think this was a bit of a pot shot at a guy who isn't credentialed, 
who is an MSM. I, I mean, again, I don't, I don't know with certainty, and I want to say that because I don't, you know, want to uh, put too, put the, the wrong, the wrong words out there, but um, and end up in another Rush article. And um, you know, but this is something that if they had just said, because here's the thing: if Rush had said, and Darren Dreger supported it as well when he said that the criticisms of Reimer are fair, I don't even think there'd be the same outrage at Dreger as well. I mean, I feel like this is something that because Marco is a much more anonymous type person. I mean, he goes by you know a handle, not not a name. Generally, he's an unnamed person. Oh this no, is, anonymity. Oh no. Well, I'm not saying again. I'm, I think it's incredibly specious. I think it's incredibly specious of them, but because of that, they can kind of hide behind that and say, "Well, here's some person." I mean, yeah. Again, if it, if uh, if if it had been Dreger saying all the criticism of Reimer is fair in a tweet, um, you know, because he hasn't stopped the puck, I don't think it would have made the article. And even if it did, I don't think there would have been the backlash. Because yeah, can he's, I, he's can real... I interject for a sec? I I don't listen. Talking to Rush today, I don't even think he wrote that article. Like, if he did write that article, I think he just got handed a bunch of tweets from some interns and said, here, here's the article, you know, write your copy around these three or four tweets and then go from there. And because and, when I talked to him on the phone, he had no clue about what the hell I was talking about. Like, he was completely off. Like, uh, he, he didn't, I don't think he knew the difference between my quote and the other quotes. And for him to write that article and specifically remove Drager from it, it was obviously different than the other tweets in there. So my tweet at the end, to justify all the other tweets, the author of that article is going to know who this person is contacting him. Like, it, it was a bizarre situation. So I, re I really doubt he had that large of a hand in writing it. And I doubt he knows who Drager is, to be perfectly blunt with you. He was, he was a crime writer up until recently, and, I, and we weren't really supposed to get into what his real name was. Now we're getting to the backstory of who he is, but... I, I, I per personally, I doubt the, the complete effort he made in that. I'm watching Leafs TV, and Reimer just got scored on here to make it 2 nothing from the Habs, so sorry. I got distracted. Oh, no, no, at least it's not live. Uh, <laughs> but all, all I was going to say, guys, from, you know, to be clear, and I'll wrap up this part of our discussion, from my perspective, there's, there is just a, a gulf the size of the Atlantic Ocean between tweets that are, are personal in nature and really have no no place anywhere. And what again? I use I always use the term performance criticism. I mean, athletes, coaches, they're in that world. They're accustomed to it. They may not like it, but you know whether you said it, anybody else said it, a mainstream person said it, Marco, whatever. It's been written in every blog and every main, mainstream article. Whether and whether it's Rhyme or anybody else, any other athlete, if they don't perform, they're going to get criticized. It's the nature of things. Whether it's blogs, social media fans, mainstream media, it doesn't matter. But there's just, again, a huge divide between that and, and the other kind of stuff. And it's unfortunate that it sounds like very unfortunate that you were sort of wrapped into a situation which you had nothing to do with, Marco. So, yeah, it happens. It's, you know what, it's in the past. We'll move on, I guess. We'll move on. So on that note, Marco and Michael, okay, the Leafs, does Reimer, and I, I don't even want to keep talking about Reimer, really, but because... Uh, uh, Bernier, if he's back, there were reports just before we went on the air tonight, Michael, that Bernier may be back tomorrow night against St. Louis. Is that correct? Yes. So Darren Dreger said so. That so actually, Marco apparently said uh, that Bernier is going to be back, uh, possibly, or he's likely back tomorrow night. Um, I'm not holding out hope on that one. I mean, you know, 
groin injuries tend not to be, they tend to be something that's very touch and go, very more week to week than day to day. Um, if he is healthy, if he is, if he feels that he can play to the best of his ability and that the injury is not going to be hampering him, then please let him be in net because he has given the Leafs the best chance to win games every game this season. I mean, yes, he's had some weak games here and there, but I think he's done, this season anyway, a better job of uh, giving the chance, like giving the Leafs a fighting chance. Um, so I'd love to have him in tomorrow if he is in. Uh, if he's not, um, I still think you have to go back to Reimer because Drew McIntyre, I don't think his NHL debut should be against the best team in hockey. Or his NHL starting debut. Starting debut. Now, is yes. the are the, if if Bernier Michael is healthy, are, are there enough uh, open dates? In other words, are there back to backs? I've only looked at the next week in the schedule. I know they play Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday. Uh, are there enough, you know, gaps in the schedule that Bernier could basically run the table the rest of the way if he's healthy? Because there's only what eight, nine games left at this point. Uh, there are nine games left. I'm going to take a quick peek, actually, at what the uh, the Leafs' remaining schedule looks like. Yeah. It's a bit of a well, it's a bit of a, a problem because uh, yeah, their next back-to-back is uh, Friday and Saturday. They've got uh, um, they're in Philadelphia and then come back home uh, to face. Oh, that's right. uh, it's not Detroit. Tuesday, Thursday. It's Friday, Saturday, right? Yeah, right. it's it's Friday, Saturday on that one. Um, but thereafter, so if they can get through, if they can somehow get through this week and uh, and and Bernie can get healthy. Uh, the six remaining games after this coming weekend are uh, there's at least two days or there's at least a day uh, a day off in between. So he, so he basically could play the rest of the way, maybe barring this coming weekend if they don't want him to play, especially soon after the injury back to back. He could play eight yes. out of nine. They can, and and, and, they if can he, and if he can, he should. I, I they could be done by Saturday, to be honest with you. Like if 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 they get to the stage of let's wait and let's let's go to Saturday and see you know where Bernier is and let him, let him run the table after that, come Saturday they they may be out of it. You lose to to Detroit and Philly on the weekend, and really where they may be out of it now. To be perfectly blunt with you, like I can't see them making it at all anymore, and especially the way they're playing. And Bernier's let's say Bernier comes back tomorrow and he is the Bernier from before, or he's he's healthy enough. He's still at 12 days off. He's coming off of 12 days where he's not even had one full practice, and they're throwing him against the Blues. I don't think even even a healthy Bernie is going to get them through that game. And then what the back-to-backer? I, I don't know. I don't see them really doing that. They they don't deserve it. They haven't played well. They really haven't played well in front of Reimer, in front of Bernie. Bernie saved them all year, and Reimer did earlier this year. They they they've gotten to the point where this is kind of where they are. Okay, but for for the sake of discussion, guys, let's let's at least throw it out there. And I, I'm I'm not disputing that. I mean, I, we've all written in our respective sites, um, you know, the, the the flaws, and 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 everybody listening will have their own views. We all have our own take. We see what we see, but you know, we we see the same picture. I always say, but we see it differently. So maybe the flaws I see may be different, Michael, than what you see or Marco sees. But I'll say this, and I've said this all season. I've said this for years, especially in the Eastern Conference. A lot of teams are flawed. Even if you want to set aside Boston and Pittsburgh, the teams that Toronto is fighting with for a playoff spot, some of whom, like Philly, have kind of gotten hot lately and surpassed them. While the, you know Philly's won what five in a row, Toronto's lost five in a row. I'm not saying it'll happen, but it is entirely conceivable that the Leafs could turn around. You know, all it takes is one win, some momentum, confidence goes to your legs. They start playing well. They get goaltending. They win some games. 
everything looks different. I mean, a week ago, I don't think most people, to be honest, were thinking they were not going to make the playoffs. I mean, after after Reimer had a great game in L.A., you know, who was thinking they were going to come home, or, or sorry, after the Washington game, Detroit, but, you know, finish that road trip as they did, lose at home, etc. So I'm just saying things can turn around very quickly. There are nine games left. They're still, you know, right on the cusp, right, of a playoff spot. So it can happen. But let's talk about what needs to happen then in specific terms. You know, not just say, look, they're struggling, they're not going to make it. Or, yeah, you know, everybody loves the Leafs, they're going to make it because we want it to happen. What needs to happen? Mar Michael, I'll start with you. What um, needs to happen for who needs to step up other than Bernie? The obvious, they need great well, goaltending. What needs I'll, to happen? I'll start, I'll start with, uh, the, I guess, the, uh, the ultimate uh, cause for if they're going to make the playoffs. The ultimate cause is that they're going to get in the next nine games, in the next like three weeks, they're going to have to get 12 points out of a possible 18 points. There's nine games remaining, so some combination, either some, either a couple of overtime losses and and and, and uh, five wins, um, or six wins, three losses. That's how they've got to close up this season, because right now, though they do still hold on to a playoff spot, they are really tenth in the East in points percentage. Uh, both Washington and Columbus, who are in uh, uh, ninth and 10th respectively actually have games in hand and are close enough that they, they actually have a better points percentage. Uh, more proximate causes for how they will get into the playoffs. Yes, obviously Bernier has to come back and has to play well or Reimer has to come back. But uh, a big guy that needs to, to show up again is James Van Riemsdyk. Um, far be it for me to say that he's been resting on his, on his laurels because he did play uh, on, on Sunday night uh, I think a career high 26 something minutes um, on the second half of back-to-back -back, which is insane. He also has only one goal in his last 10 games, and that's, we've needed him. It, it, it hasn't been, you know, Phil Kessel hasn't scored as much, or he's, he's scored somewhat, but uh, it's, it's, uh, it's tapered off entirely for JVR. He needs to produce, um, and, and uh, along with him, I'd say Lupul and Raymond need to, uh, uh, need to, need to con contribute. And then beyond that, I mean, for as much as we've been loving how much the Leafs' defense have been scoring, they've got to learn how to stop a goal. Um, I mean, they've got to learn how to, or if, if not stop a goal, suppress shots, uh, deflect, block, anything. Find a way to, to separate the attacker from the puck. Um, because until they learn how to play defense, even with even with Phil Kessel, even with Jonathan Bernier, I don't I don't see them making the playoffs unless you know Cody Franzen, Tim Gleason, Carl Gunnarsson turn into things that they aren't and haven't been so far this season. Okay, I just I want to go to Marco, but just a quick uh, reply to this question, though, Michael. Based on what you were saying, are you seeing a difference in the way Raymond, Lupul, and, and, and JVR are playing, or is it just a case of the pucks not going in the net for them? Because there's a big difference there. I mean, yes, you use the term production, which is the, that's the outcome, but are they still playing the same, or is there something off in their game and the puck's just not going in for them and their line mates? I've actually I haven't been sold that uh, Joffrey Lupul has been the same player this season that he was last season and the season previous to that. Um, I I don't know if that's a factor of minutes. I mean, he's still getting about eighteen a night. Um, because he's he's been healthier this year, hasn't he? For the most been, part, he has been. I think he's only missed the uh, ten games. Um, I mean, for him, that's a good that's a good season, right? I mean, in oh, terms of of yeah. Certainly, but I mean, he is a thirty-year-old with a, a slight injury history. Uh, I remember last time I said he had an injury history, and people got blew up at me. Um, I, but, did uh, I did not. I did not. Not you. Not you. No, no, no. I, just, just people in comments. It's, it's quite yeah. all right. But um, you know, I think, I think there's that aspect. Raymond's really been lights out uh, for much of the season. But I mean, 
his secondary scoring or his his really his primary scoring basically he's I think fourth on the team. Um, we need it. We need all hands on deck to score, and he's been one of the few players that have figured out how to do that this year, and that's pretty key. Okay, Marco, from your perspective, from your standpoint, give me specifics. I mean, yeah, overall team defense. I'm just I'm at a loss as to I've never seen a group or a coach talk about something so much. You know, what's the old expression? Never has so much been said and so little done. I mean. Uh, Marco, this, the, the Carlisle, and it's not. I'm not trying to knock the guy, but I mean, he talks about it a lot. But the team doesn't seem to cotton to the idea that this overall team defense concept is really in the modern NHL what you got to do. Um, so, what, other than that, what individually, who do you think needs to step up besides this notion of, of team defense? Who do I think needs to step up from the current roster? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yes. Yes. Uh... Well, I think they need to get back to four lines. So I think if he's gonna if he's gonna go in the way that he's playing now with the current roster, I think Clarkson needs to stand up. And Clarkson is what he is, and you know they're paying him all this money, and and Carlisle keeps trying to shoehorn him into that second line with Lupul and Kadri, and that's who's gonna have to step up. The Leafs only play three lines, so he plays less than twelve forwards every night. The defense isn't going to fix itself. It's game 73. This is who they are defensively. I can't see that changing, you know, at the drop of a hat. As you said, they've been preaching it all year. You can preach whatever you want, but if you play guys like Mark Frazier and Paul Ranger at the beginning of the year and then Gleason heavy, heavy minutes, you're going to have defensive breakdowns. Cody Franson can't be a defensive player. He's proven it in this league. Cody Franson led them in ice time last night. You're going to have situations where that those guys are going to get exposed because those are their weaknesses in the games. And and in reality, you said you don't want to go back to, to Bastion Carlisle. It, it's, it's on him for putting players in a position that they cannot succeed in. So who do, who needs to step up on the current roster? I think it's got to be that second line. And if, if you're going to put Clarkson on that second line, it's got to be him. Because Kessel's going to score. And and Van Riemsdyk, as Michael said, he, he's not getting the goals, but he's there. He, he played well against Montreal. He had two or three nice chances. He, he just missed a couple times against Detroit. He hit the post last night. Like, Van Riemsdyk's right there, and Van Riemsdyk's getting ridden hard all year by Carlisle. He plays top power play. He's the second penalty kill unit, and he's on the ice. I think he had 25 minutes again last night. So I think you got to go to the secondary guys, and it's going to be somebody like Clarkson. It's got to be somebody like Boland, who they, they put all their eggs in their basket, and it's unfair to ask those guys to do it because they're just not going to be able to. In my opinion. Is it too late, guys? I throw this out to both of you. Marco, you start on this one, then Michael can chime in. Is it too late to go with a a fourth line that actually plays consistently real minutes? And when I say a fourth line, I'm talking about a kid line, like D'Amigo, Ashton, um, Holland. I don't know, some combination of guys. Like, it's too late in the game for that because, you know, we were going before Ranger got hurt, we were going with 7D. Uh, you know, we could debate that all day long. I'm a fan. I'm a believer that you got to roll four lines going into the playoffs down the stretch. You got to have four, 12 forwards you'd really believe in and have confidence in. So, in answer to my question, is the bus left too late to to try this? The, you know, this energy kid fourth line to bring some life to the bottom six, Marco, just or not? Well, no, no. That I think that would be a huge factor. I don't think it's going to happen. They, it, it sh- the evidence has been there all year for that to be the way to go. And when those guys have played, they've done a good job and they've been more productive than players who are playing now. However, you know, we've, given, we've been given no evidence to, to, to show us that that is the path that they're going to go down. I absolutely believe 
that if you did actually play a fourth line of Holland, Ashton, Domingo, that that line is going to give you a lot of energy and it's going to help you out dramatically. There is no way that I can see that that happening this year or under the under the tutelage of Carlisle. I can't see it. Uh, Michael, from your perspective, is it time for certain veterans to sit for a game, whether it's McClement? I'm not picking on McClement. I mean, he's a hardworking guy. Clarkson, hardworking guy. I, I, look, I have no idea. Um, you know, a lot of fans will say, hey, you guys are making too big a deal. They're, they've lost a few in a row, but they're actually playing better than when they were winning. Well, uh, So I'm flummoxed, but I mean, do, you know what I'm getting at, right? Like, yeah. If anybody should be sitting, it should be Colton Orr, because he already does that on the bench anyway. I mean, him playing three minutes does nothing. And, and, we, and Yeah, but I think we've all agreed. I think there probably is not a solitary, and I almost never say this, there's probably not a solitary Leaf fan out there that still believes it's worth having a guy taking up a raw. And I'm not knocking the individual. He gives uh, everything he has when he plays, but when, he's, when you put anybody out there and they're going to play two or three minutes a night, what are you saying to the to the to your fan base, the rest of your roster? That's the baffling thing to me. That's the part I don't get. Yeah, it's 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 a it's a confusing one, and and I guess to answer to answer whether or not people should sit, yes, some people probably should sit. Um, but to go over to the bigger question, which was really about Domingo and Holland Ashton, whether or not they should, you know, we should try a kid line in a way similar to say what Detroit has often done. Um, I have ad I would advocate that because uh, if Marco's point is right that there's no way that they can fix the D this season that we are at game 73 that it's the the horse the horses have run the race it is what it is yes. it is what it is then shouldn't there be an impetus to try to outscore the problems if they can't defend if they can't defend to save their life shouldn't you try to take the 12 best guys at putting the puck in the net in these final games because if that if I mean you're you're coming down to it they they have to almost run the table. To, to actually make the playoffs this year. If they're earnest about wanting to make the playoffs this year, shouldn't they be bringing those guys up? I'd say yes. I'd say that they should have them there. Um, but uh, similarly to what, to what Marco was saying, it's not going to happen. Not because Carlisle likes his guys and truculence and grit. At least not completely not that. I think part of the reason is, uh, is cap hit. I mean, they have been so cap-strapped um, this whole season whether it's been Clarkson's suspension, which has been screwing them, Clarkson's contract in general, Boland deciding to you know, take on and, and absorb and retain salaries of all sorts of different players, all sorts of little paper cuts that have become pretty bad. I mean, even with even if you don't include the bonuses, bringing up Holland, Ashton, and Domingo is about a $3 million cap hit. I don't know how they can move. Oh, I, I understand what you're saying. The, there's not the flexibility financially, I understand, to, to maybe do that. Yeah, that's a tough one. I was going to say, guys, historically, I, you know me, I'm old. I bring up a thing from even before my time, so I'm not saying this out of great knowledge, but only what I've been made aware of. fans can kind of go with for the rest of this year which you know they've been great and Morgan Riley stepping out he's getting better every game and yeah so I 
it, it'd be great if there was a six-team NHL in the 40s like it was, and you can call up, you know, the, the, the guys from the farm who were better than, you know, half the guys there, but that that's wonderful. But it's been a long time since we've seen something like that here, and I don't know. I, I, I'm getting frustrated. It's it's too long now, you know? Well, and, and you and know they're what? Ta- and they're talented enough to do it this year. Yeah. That's what's frustrating to me. I think that's why a lot of people are frustrated. I don't think most people, uh, Marco, think that this is a like an elite, elite great leaf team but i think they feel that there was a lot of progress some you know young players who were who were you know making advances uh and then in the eastern conference there's no reason not to be you know one of the one of the top tier clubs but to your point and i'll throw this to you quickly and then michael and then we'll wrap it up um you referenced gardner and riley and i know just as quickly as we get high on guys they can have an abysmal defensive night and then people are shaking their heads but i mean they're clearly talented are you now of the of the view, and maybe you always have been, because I have been, that there's no need to trade one or the other? Because I've heard many people say, oh, well, they can't have two guys like that in the lineup. See, I think you can. I don't know if they will always play together or that that's the right thing, but I don't know why you can't have two offensive defensemen as long as they play with competent partners who are very strong defensively. Uh, what, are, what are your thoughts on that, Marco? Do they need to move one of these guys? I don't think so, but what do you feel? I don't see why... You- Anybody is tradable as long as, you know, if, if, sure, if, sure. if Colorado calls tomorrow and says, hey, we're going to give you Ryan O'Reilly for Jake Gardner, yeah, sure, you make that move. But I don't see you trading one or the other just because you have two of them. Two is much better than one, and you have two game changers on that blue line. That's a, that's, um, that's a luxury that not a lot of teams are able to, to afford, and, and that's wonderful for the Leafs. And, yeah, you, you know, you put them with somebody moving forward. They're both young. You know, that, that's, that's the... the the strength of your team moving forward. And you want to preach that you're a young team, you're an organization that's growing, even though you refuse to, pay, to play the youth up front, you know, that, that's what you go with. You go with Gardner and Riley and, and move forward from there. Michael, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I'd, uh, I'd, say, I'd say hold on to them. Um, that set play where uh, Riley iced it, Gardner got in first, and then, and then just deep the goalie out and scored. I mean, that's, that creativity... I, I, I know that, that, that on this program before, and in general, Jake Gardner has been bashed for sometimes not always having the greatest decision-making processes. Um, I think there's just too much darn potential there. Uh, you know, Gardner is still going to be a fairly controllable asset in the offseason. He's a restricted free agent, but he's still fairly controllable in terms of overall you know, negotiation. He can't really leverage the Leafs out of too, too much, although he is, I think, in the top 15 in defense and goal scoring right now. Um, but you're going to have two guys that are, frankly, could come in at a combined cap hit under $4 million, and I think are, are again, they, they would probably be the two most offensively gifted players on the uh, on the back end. I say keep them. Um, I mean, uh, yes, and with that same caveat of, yeah, if something, if John Tavares comes around, sure. Yeah. But uh, I would keep the two of them. They have speed, mobility, agility, uh, keen passing sense, the both of them. I, I think they should. I mean, they live together. They should play together. Uh, Tyler Bozak and Phil Kessel, they live together and play together and have a lot of success. Why can't it work for them too? You know, I mean, it's, it's, uh, I think they're so phenomenal and I think there's still so much ceiling, uh, that hasn't even, they haven't even come close to scraping their ceilings yet, either of them. Um, I'd, I'd say keep a hold on to them because they are the shining lights, uh, certainly in this losing streak. They have been, without a doubt, the two best players throughout it. Final question, then Marco. I'll sorry, you were going to uh, jump in. Go by. Go, I, just, go ahead. I, I agree with Michael, and, and I, I think when when oh, I think their defensive skills, especially Gardner's, 
are underrated. I think his defensive miscues, which do ha happen a lot, like all the other defensemen on this team, I think they're a little bit overrated. I think he's a lot better defensively than people give him credit for. Jake Gardner, and he's only been playing defense, what, four or five years now. He's, he, was, he was a forward before. He's getting better on that blue line. He's getting better in his own end. And you know what? The way he skates and the way he has the puck on his stick all the time, he doesn't need to be phenomenal in his own end. But. Yeah, I think he just needs to be stronger on the puck sometimes when guys are, are coming at him. Like Anyway, but that's a whole other discussion. The guys, he's a, he's a solid young player um, and has a, you know, uses talent, as does Morgan Riley, obviously. So guys, last thing, 20 seconds or less for both of you. Uh, Leafs can, will start turning it around Tuesday night against St. Louis, or they will not. In other words, they either will turn it around and it's the beginning of the playoff march or they won't turn it around and we know what that means. Marco, you first. Uh, no, I don't think they're going to turn it around. And Okay. Oh, that was short and and, uh, and and honest. And Michael, from your perspective? I think they're going to uh, start turning it around in about three games' time and it's going to be uh, too little too late. I think they're going to be in the situation where they're going to need to run the table Final four or five games, have to win them all. They'll win four of them. They'll lose the fifth one in a heartbreaker. I think it's going to be against Ottawa. That's that's how I see this going. It's it's always dramatic and it's always painful and it's always cathartic here in Toronto. Mark well, McCarthy, late game winner. What's that? Go. Oh wow. Mark MacArthur, late game winner to eliminate him. Wow. Well, you know what? It would not that not that particular situation, Marco, but the, the movie that Michael described is one we we've seen before over the past several years. That I'm most of the time. Well. What's that? I said I know it's too well. Yeah, it's a movie we've seen before. The legend, the legend of Wade Dublowitz, right? Yeah. Well, I remember Troy Loney, Troy Loney slipping, uh, stripping Todd Gill. It happens, man. It's it's a long story that we we've we've tortured ourselves with. Well, listen, it's it's uh, and yet <laughs> we're still talking about it after all these years because if nothing else, gentlemen, Leaf fans live in hope. Listen, thank you, Marco Peruzza from Hope in the Big Smoke, one of the excellent Maple Leaf blogs out there. Thanks for joining us, Marco, uh, and for taking the time and for as earlier in the show clarifying the situation that rose earlier today. And and uh, we appreciate your 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 trying to outline exactly what happened and and we appreciate your input there and Michael as always thank you um, tomorrow night is a big contest Michael it, it should be I, I think it should be a, a very good game Tuesday night against St. Louis I hope it will be it better be <laughs> okay Thanks. take care gentlemen and thank you everybody for listening uh, and and check it out it'll be up if, if you missed the live version it'll be up on the Maple Leaf uh, hot stove site shortly. I'm sure Declan and Alec are always behind the scenes pulling together all the technology required to make this happen. So thanks for listening everybody. This has been episode 27 of the Maple Leaf Hangout. My name is Michael Langlois. Thanks to Marco Peruzza and Michael Stevens as always for joining us on the program. Good night everybody. Take care. We'll talk to you all next time. Go Leafs.